Hello, Ack. Hello, Nantucket. However you want to call it. Thanks for clicking on Inside the Whale. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on when you're listening to this. I hope that uh, this finds you enjoying the last couple of weeks of summer. It's a hot one. It is a scorcher, but that's what's going to happen. It's the end of summer. You know, we want this weather because in a few weeks, we're going to be wishing it was still hot like this. And what a summer it was, right? Plenty of sun, two days of rain between July and August, something like that. And the beaches are still packed. It still feels like summer is full on. Labor Day is an extra week away. Or actually, it's this weekend, sorry. Uh, It's coming up, but uh, there was an extra week on. So it feels like the beaches are still packed. It feels like summer is still full on. The island has not yet been able to breathe that big sigh of relief, which comes after the mass exodus of summer folk. But it's coming, folks. It's coming. I can feel it. I can feel it. We're on the tinge, but right on the cusp, and I can't wait. I can't wait to pull up to that intersection, and there's not one car in front of me. It's going to be great. Hopefully, you guys had a good summer. It was a great summer for me. Got to lots of beach time, lots of surf, and I don't want it to end. I wanted to keep it going. So that being said, uh, thank you for clicking on it, guys. This is Inside the Whale. I'm your host, Doug Cody, Nantucket's first podcast. Uh, we're going to get right to the chase today. No small talk. We don't need that. We want to get right to the point, right? This is ep- episode number 16. My guest today is Billy Sherry, sculptor, chef, father, and island legend. You know, when I first started this podcast, trying to figure out who I should sit down with, Billy Sherry is a name that came up uh, numerous times. I did not know him. Uh, I feel like I know him now. Uh, I feel like we have similar paths. Uh, He was an athletic uh, person in college, as was I, but we took uh, different paths and uh, ended up uh, following our passion. So that was really cool. Billy is a really unique guy, and there's a reason that he is a Nantucket legend. He's just been around. He started a gallery. Uh, we'll hear all about that in the conversation. It was, it was really great to sit down and learn uh, from him. He's one of those guys that I would put up there that's uh, been around, seen, uh, been there, seen that, and done that on this island. And uh, really great conversation. So let's just get to it. Uh, let's, let's get to the conversation between Billy and I. Can't thank him enough for sitting down on Inside the Whale. With that being said, let's go, folks. It's time to go inside the whale. Guys, now you might whale. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises! I think you're good. I mean, as long as you can hear yourself in there. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, pretty laid back. Is it, do you listen to podcasts? No. No. It's basically like a radio show. Yeah. yeah, 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 you'll yeah. I mean, them. I've heard them. Yeah, you've heard this. So when I got out here, I just didn't know what I was going to do since my it's back, a great idea so my background was in entertain i was an actor in new right. york and did commercials and now i'm i'm not a carpenter not an electrician yeah right. uh, my skill set is music and in this kind yeah. of world yeah. and writing and stuff so so anyway that's, that's what the whole, there's do. a whole world for that 
You just so, got to be creative yeah, like I, you are. Exactly. So I guess what we're trying to do is get the Billy Sherry story. Thank you for sitting down and coming over to Fort Todd Circle. My pleasure. You Tom, know, thank uh, you. Wh- where does it start? Where, do, where are you from originally? I grew up, uh, grew up in Chappaqua, New York. Long Island? No, Westchester. Westchester. Yeah, it's about an hour north of Manhattan. Gotcha. Up near Bedford. Um, it's beautiful. White Plains. Yeah. And it's a real small town when I was growing up. Sort of country, um, a suburb, bedroom community for New York. Right. Because the train comes right there. But it wasn't as um, developed as Scarsdale, which is further south. Right. So Chappaqua was still kind of rural. Before the Clintons moved there. Well, it started <laughs> before they, it, it became more popular before they moved in. Right. But, uh, so you grew up, you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got f- uh, two brothers and two sisters. Are they in in the area? Or? They're uh, um, Great Falls, Virginia, Katona, New York, right around the corner. Yeah. Uh, Malibu, California, and Charlotte, North Carolina. All right, so, so you're from a big family. Like, What'd your old man do? Yeah. You know, Irish Catholic thing going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, real estate. He was a. He dealt mostly mostly with businessmen. He worked out of White Plains. Okay. Um, he did, he was a commercial real estate broker. He wasn't a developer, but he also wasn't selling houses. He liked to deal with businessmen and you know lease properties, sell properties for business mostly. Gotcha. Yeah, and my mom. Uh, they met in college. My mom was you know at that era. Housewife, right? What college? Raging, raising five children. Uh, my dad went to Georgetown. My mom went to Trinity. Oh, and at okay. the time, that was a big combination for the young Catholic men and women. Yeah, I, I guess so. Georgetown and Trinity <laughs> yeah, College in Hartford. Yeah. No, this was Trinity in D.C. Oh, Trinity in D.C. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time. Oh, I was thinking Trinity College no. in Hartford. Yeah, so, so they met yeah, they were crushed in college. Yeah. So but they're both from Yonkers, New York. Both of them. Okay. Different parts. Yeah. So you grow up in Chappaqua, and how do you uh, really the, the the is tracing the story because everyone's story is different how they ended up on Nantucket. So you know that's really what we're, where we want to start on what leads yeah. you out there. What year you got here? Uh, it's actually very simple. I was um, had a girlfriend in high school, Connie Huff, and her sister was here on Nantucket, and she was about six, seven, eight years older. Than, than we were. And I had visited here once in high school with Connie and her family visiting Cammie, their sister who lived here. And um, something, I knew re- something about it. In retrospect, I knew at that time something about the air was appealing. You know, you remember Well, it. literally, uh, I'm here because of the weather. <laughs> <laughs> in the summer in New York, it's really hot and humid oh. and it's not pleasant. So... How I got here was in high school. So I'd been here once before. So when I got out of college, I went to Georgetown also. Um, Following your dad's foot. Are you a legacy? Yeah. Do they call that a legacy? Legacy, yeah. And my yeah. brother went there. Really? My other brother went there um, down the line. So. Look at you. Which is surprising after I went there that they let those my brothers in. But Were you good in school? Are you smart? I mean, Georgetown's a good school, but if you're a legacy, sometimes they can look the other way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I got a diploma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did okay. I wasn't smart. I just worked hard. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? Gettysburg. Oh, man. We played you in football yeah. when I was in college. Really? Yeah. So you played football in college? Yeah. We played Gettysburg and you killed us. Really? You had a fullback who should have had commercial plates on this guy. It was scary. Really? What was the <laughs> score? Remember. 
I think it was twenty-four to seven or something. It wasn't killed. God, you remember? Yeah. I see. I it was a good game, but it, it was definitely you guys had the game. You know. Yeah, I don't remember any. I, like I played lacrosse in college, and yeah. I don't remember any of the uh, like. Some people can recall like, oh, I remember uh, the worst game, and I remember like, I don't remember. I don't remember that either. Usually, yeah. sometimes scores and yeah. stuff. But so you go to Georgetown in what position in football? I was a safety. Okay. Yeah, punt return and safety. Were you good? Same size as you. See, see how do we? How do you play? People go. How do you play college football? I said, well, Division three, first of all. Right. And uh, you know, I was a safety. Um, yeah, I was pretty good. Yeah, I was yeah. actually good. I was a good athlete. Yeah. I was. Uh, I liked it a lot. That's. I well, was the lacrosse same. at Gettysburg is the same kind of deal. Yeah, I was an All-American. <laughs> oh, dude. I know. I never. It's. I never would ever bring that up, but it's the only chance that no, I ever got great, to say. Oh, it's great, man. I know. It's something I, to be proud of. I love that stuff. Really, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I doesn't see. This is funny. I was always in college is really where I started to figure out what I wanted to do, and I was, I was sort of the uh, the artsy jock. Yep. Which I think I'm fine. You kind of seem like you might have been. I was exactly that. In the same boat. <laughs> I was an English major who studied poetry, and I was a football player. Yeah, you know, yep. sitting in That's the back exactly of the right. bus, right? Well, listen, there's a lot of us out there, you know, the artsier jocks that happen to be good in sports, yeah. but they kind of don't go hand in hand. But I guess schools where you figure that out is that when you started, you originally started as being a writer, right? Well, I got there and um, I got to school and. I do remember certain things that changed my life. These, you know, in my life, certain things have changed my life. When I was at, when I was at Georgetown, I was we were practicing, and it was you know you're there a couple of days earlier or whatever. In any case, we're practicing, and there were um, freshman orientation seminars you're supposed to go to. So you didn't go to most, you know. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna practice. I don't have to go to that. I don't have to go. To that. But there was one, for some reason, I, I wanted to go to. Um, it was run by this, uh, this poet, R Roland Flint, who was with the English department. And I went, for some reason, I went to that seminar. And it literally, being introduced to him changed my life. He was a magnificent, energetic poet. And he loved sports. You know, he was a great guy from the Midwest. And right. Was he publishing stuff? Is oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He... He's a major poet. He became Poet Laureate of Maryland, a major career you know that's huh. what he did and uh that seminar because i had a relationship with him as my english major advisor i got into his creative writing workshop so those you know roland flint certainly changed my life uh, i took a creative writing course in college too and that was the first time i think actually now that i'm thinking about it, it was the first time that i really sat down and you you kind of find your voice you know in that and i remember in, in this That's creative right. writing class, ever you'd you'd she'd pitch a topic, and then everyone uh, would have to write you know a ten yep. page paper on the topic, and then they'd we go around a circle and read it. And I remember every time I read my stories, I'd have the class laughing. Wow! So that That's was the cool. first time I had That's that sense cool, of 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 doing you know creating something that other people feeling that connection of being yep. wow look these people think this is funny, and I remember what the story was. It was about. It so was you do remember things. I do. Well, I just. It was called "Don't Be That Guy," and it was about the uncle at the wedding that always ends up with a tie around his head. Uh, you know, the uncle that starts right. the dance circle at the wedding, and it was called "Don't Be That Guy." That's a crazy. So that story that was my that. that was my first. Uh, but the creative writing course was kind of my intro of that kind of. But I, now that I look back, though, I was always like writing skits in high school. Were you really? 
little like bits and stuff, but never like professional. You know, I never yeah, thought yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. something that you did professionally. Yeah. It was just sort of like that right. thing. But I had one of those classes as well. So you took the creative writing class. So yeah, I, my my whole career at George. Well, I also I, mean, I was an English major and I was really into poetry and writing. But then the middle linebacker when I was a freshman, John Coons. I still know John. Um, he was a woodcarver, and there was a, a sculpture class at Georgetown by Leonard Cave, who was a magnificent man, and he taught woodcarving. So I was really like, John, that's pretty cool. So I tried to get into woodcarving, and they wouldn't let me in because I was an English major. They said, well, you got a painting, you got a drawing, then you can... The prerequisites I to said, get in. Oh, please, I'm giving you money, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I... Um, down in Washington, they have a consortium of universities, five universities. You can go, you can go American. back and forth. American, um, Catholic, Howard, GW, and Georgetown. I think those are. So I went over to GW and took a sculpture course because they didn't care. You know, they didn't have any prerequisites. So then when I came back to Georgetown, I said, listen, I've already taken sculpture at GW. Why don't you listen to me in the course? And the <laughs> dean was so tired of me being there, he said, okay, take the course. So that's how I got introduced to sculpture. And what kind of wood making? Like it, was it was wood carving. It was wood carving, carving yeah. like which is, for me, it's the opposite of what I do now, and that's a whole change in my whole creative thinking at one point. Um, which we want to get to. We want to yeah, get that, yeah. get to that process because yeah. that's the kind of stuff I think. So Leonard Cave was a magnificent man, magnificent teacher, and um, so then I had those two creative pursuits, you know, that I could go in and out of. So. Right. And so after college, where do you go? Well, after school, I, three days after graduation, I was here. On Nantucket. Yeah. What year is that? Because of the weather. That's where the weather comes in. I, DC is horrible in the summer. Mm -hmm. So three days after graduation, I said, I'm going to go to Nantucket. I like it up there. So this is what, June of what, 1976? So you arrive on Nantucket, Billy yeah. Sherry. May. May something. May. May. So it's foggy. and I don't remember, but I, Cammy Huff was still here. My ex-girlfriend's sister. Right. So I was very close with Cammie and their family anyway. So she got me a job with Jimmy Tyler, painting houses. And, uh, you know, there it's you the go. It's the painting house. Uh, yeah. Gene Mann was just my last guest, and he came out here, and he was a house painter. Yeah. So I that was sort Gene of... back then. You do. So that yeah. was some of the racket, I guess, the the house painting. Just had to make a living, you know? So what was the climate like here when you get here in 1976? How would you describe well, it? you know, I was a 22-year-old... You know, what do I know? <laughs> well, I'm, you know how to drink well, like, <laughs> and chase girls. My, well, yeah. Well, that's why I left painting because I um, got into restaurants because I wasn't meeting anybody painting houses, man. I was meeting no women paint, painting houses. So I said, I'll meet women paint in restaurants. So I get into restaurants for that reason. What was the restaurant? <laughs> what was your first restaurant job out Straight here? Straight Wharf. Wow. Marion Morash. Wow. Yeah. And you, as a waiter or bartender? As a cook. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if you know Marion's history. I don't. No, that's you should talk to Marion Morash about Nantucket in one of these casts. Oh, okay. She's a magnificent woman. Um, Had you cooked before? No, no. In college, I like to cook a little bit. You know, not really. But uh, so I, yeah, I stopped painting and got into restaurants. And Marion uh, ran the uh, Straight Wharf restaurant, and she was also the executive chef for the Julia Child. Uh, television shows back then. Oh, wow. Her husband, Russell Morash, um, created The French Chef, that famous show that brought Julia Child to the American public. 
Is she, is she still out here? And Marion is. Her Marion and Russell are still here. They live in Lexington also. Oh, wow. Okay. But they brought Julia to America. I mean, to the, to the, uh, to the airwaves. Huh. So then that became, and so she, was, so she was Julia's, I met Julia twice through Marion. Really? Yeah. What was she like? She was, she was great. She's a big woman. She was she, She's physically very imposing. Big. Very imposing. Yeah, she really was. And she was just like you, you Boy, see her if on she television. Could've, if and she's she could a charming woman, a charming woman. Well, yeah, and if she, I mean, now the way the cooking has become this celebrity oh, yeah. culture, if she yeah. could, she's the, yeah. the original. Well, Marion certainly. So this um, woman, Marion's really the one that was in charge of bringing it to that yeah. level. Well, to I guess her. I guess well, she and Russell started the that show, and they became very close friends. And then Marion, uh, Julie came out here a couple times with Marion. But Marion ran the Straight Wharf, and it was the most spectacular uh, cuisine. It was during that era where um, let the food taste what it's supposed to taste like. You know, be clean, simple food, and the Straight Wharf has always had that. Clean, fresh ingredients, you know, sort of a nouvelle cuisine. Not, not fancy, weird or anything, but just right. clean, exciting, fresh ingredients. Is, we're is sort of, I key. feel like we're kind of sort of back there yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, that's how I cook. That's how I learned from Mary. I think that there you was know? a, uh, I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, no. but there was a trend of where the fusion thing was going on, and you, you like restaurants where everyone yeah. was trying to blend these things, and now it's getting back to, I know it's a buzz we're farm to table kind of. Right, you know, right, right, right. I hate but, that term, yeah. but. But she, it, this, you know, the Straight Wharf's always been a, great restaurant still is so that's what you were doing so yeah i learned to cook from marion and then also jimmy perlman who's now our sheriff he taught me how to cook he's a chef sheriff sheriff oh yeah yeah i jimmy. know but he was he taught oh, you yeah. how to cook jimmy did yeah jimmy was jimmy ran the boarding house wow i didn't know that yeah and perlman's amazing he would go out scalping in the morning and run a restaurant at night i mean the guy's just amazing i don't know how he used to do it and so when the straight wharf would close they closed early every year I went over to him and got a job cooking under him, huh. and he taught me a lot. So he it's me. been was it re- how long in restaurants? And then after that was oh god, thirty years now, forty years. So and you've then seen I went, all. Then I learned from Carl Keller at twenty one, who was a great chef and a good friend. So I just went from restaurant to restaurant learning. So primary, and then when when did the sculpture start? Were you always well? So I'm out of school working on this. Tr- I'm writing. I'm always writing, but. Um, what were, you, what, were you, liked, what were you writing? Well, poetry and diaries and stuff. Yeah, I wish I should, I should have had you bring some of your, yeah. your poems. Well, down the road, I got some stuff. Yeah, I'd love to hear some of your... I would like, if you had to pick two best, maybe uh, I'll publish them. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put them up with the podcast. Yeah, to, cool. give me Give me your two best poems. Yeah. Well, it's like art, you know. Um, anybody can write a good poem, but you got to write 99 good ones to know... I think the craft and the, you know, you've got to work. It, it's got to be a body of work. It's the same as sculpture. You know, anybody can make one good sculpture, but it's your body of work. I think that defines you and, and makes your reputation and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's funny. I've been thinking about my like my body of work of what I've done with bands, right. albums that I've recorded, yeah, yeah. and then stuff I've produced, films I've acted in, stuff that I've done. And I'm stout now. I'm on Nantucket. I'm trying to like continue that body. This podcast mm-hmm. is another same thing, yeah, thing. And it's uh, Nantucket has sort of been a, a kind of a new opportunity to, for me to reinvent myself, and I'm sort of enjoying that. It's a very organic process. A lot mm-hmm. of the Everything from even starting this family yeah. has been very organic. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity, you know, like so like when you got here, you, you know, s- started working in restaurants and then had the opportunity 
to start working doing sculpture, right? Yeah. Well, I was I was always sort of messing around with sculpture at the at the time, you know, uh, carving and then, carving wood. Yeah, being doing trying to do big stuff, but I'm trying to think. Um, I moved out of here in '81 because it wasn't a good place for me to be <laughs> at that time. Why? You know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the '80s restaurants. It was a wild kind of kind of time. So I said, I got to get out of here. And so where'd you go? I got to focus on on making something better here. So I moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico, because my friend Cami, who had been here and got me here. Lived out there then. She had moved out to Santa Fe. So I wow, said, you're well, just following Cammy oh, around. Oh, I'm following Cammy around the whole, not romantically, because yeah. we're like brother and sister. Interesting. But, uh, I'd go to follow Cammy. Santa if Fe, knew, I've been to Santa If you knew Cammy, you would have followed Cammy too. I like her already. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> A lot of people listening to this probably remember her. That's so awesome. So you, I, love San, I love New yeah, Mexico. It's me too. such an amazing, was, cool state. What a place. What a place. I loved so, it. I was there for two years. And what were you doing there? Cooking. In restaurants. In restaurants? Yeah. And just so you took a break from Nantucket. Yeah, and did the same thing out there, though. So so your party and basically just, just took the party to Santa Fe. Apparently, yeah. So what made you come back? I don't know, actually. I think I missed the, something in the air, the water, maybe. I, I'm not sure, actually. I'm not. I can't remember if it was a conscious Is it a woman that decision. brought you back? Um, no, I had decided to come back before a woman brought me back. <laughs> but I had made the decision right. for before that. <laughs> then it happened. That, oh, then it happened. There's a woman going to the vineyard, and I'm going to Nantucket. So we'll see, maybe we can. But that never worked out. That never worked no, out. No, it didn't. Yeah, that's funny you said that. It's true. Though. Well, there's usually some sort yeah, of. Yeah. So. There's a through line there. But for some reason, I need to. I wanted to get out of Santa Fe and come back east. Maybe it was the West East thing. Did you get arrested? Have you ever been arrested? No, never been arrested. Oh, damn. I was hoping we'd have it. No. <laughs> Me neither. But there's usually a... Set. I'll tell you, when I had my two boys, first thing I said was, I better not get in that police report, man. <laughs> I know, <laughs> so right? So knock on wood, man. You've never been in the police report? No, they're, I've they're... never been... Uh, I wasn't ever dealt drugs or anything. So, I so, did drugs, but I never dealt them. <laughs> well, so, so you come back and you start working um, after Santa Fe, you come back and... I started working at Provisions which was part of the Straight Wharf, you know, the the, uh, right. the food store. I ran the kitchen, and Annie Blake ran the front of the house. And Marion was still chef at the Straight Wharf. So um, the real change happened. I came back in for that summer of 85, and then the winter of 86, I met Rima. Okay. So that changed everything. And Thank God. We, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, and you had two kids with Rima. Yeah, yeah. And how old are your kids now? 28 and 26. Oh my God! So they're they're grown up and are they out here? Yeah, they're out here, for now. For now. Yeah. <laughs> no, they are though. I get to see my kids. I love it. That's great. So I, I'm I love the c- comparing and contrasting the Nantucket of like when you say you got back in 1981 to the, where we are now in Nantucket. How different does it feel to you? Someone who's been here and seen. The changes. Does it feel that different? Um, it, if I thought of it in those terms, it, w- it would feel that different. It's just more crowded. It's very simple. Uh, yeah, that's all it is. It's just more people, more cars, more houses. That's all it is. Everybody, the, the, the same attitude and quality of life I've always loved about Nantucket is still here, I think. 
there's something in the air. I believe it, you know. That's why people are here. You get sand on the brain, right? Is that what they say? <laughs> there's something in the air that people who love it, love it, and people that don't, don't. I immediately connected. There's a, a kookiness to it. I think. You think it's that? I don't know. There's there's something. Well, we're out 25 miles. Well, some some you know. some of the people and the locals and stuff that I met, I I felt immediately at home. Oops. You know, when I first moved here, you know, I felt that exactly. it was it was exactly done. That's I just I, I had no idea that That's I would be living thing. here. Yeah. I just I just there was a, something. I went out to yeah. Cambridge Street the first time that I got here, and there was a lot of people, and I was like, oh, this is this is cool. Yeah. This kind yeah, of yeah, feels. Yeah. But I do feel, I mean, I've only been here for five years. I feel like that element is dissipating, personally. Yeah. And I've only been here, so you've been here a lot longer, so yeah. you have more to base it on. You know, you, you were here in Nantucket. Well, it's, in the, you know, in the past, the summer and winter were dramatically different, from my experience. In terms, Now, I mean, the summer is that much more, more uh, busy. And the winter is, too. That's the thing. The winter is no longer from my perspective, a lot slower. I mean, there's a lot of commerce. There's a lot of people. There's a lot going on even in the January. Yeah, you know? yeah, people And it never was like that. In January, February, March, years in the 70s and 80s or 70s, was nothing going on. Huh. I mean, nothing. Right. Yeah. Well, there was one thing going on, drinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, when the harbor froze in the 70s, people were bummed because not about bread and water and, and milk. They were bummed because they, they run out of Budweiser. <laughs> I remember I was worried the boat... You know, Couldn't get the beer. It was beer 14 in. hours to get here. Oh, man. Because the harbor was frozen. Oh. <laughs> and everyone's like worried about getting Budweiser. <laughs> so let's go back to after Santa Fe, you come back and you start working where? Um, provisions. And then uh, I don't know. I got married in May. Wedding on Nantucket? 86. Yeah, I had a friend's, friend's back lawn. Nice. Jack Warner, my good friend Jack Warner his backyard for like 25 people so we didn't you know we had lunch at 21 for our wedding right so kind of simple nice. i think we're yeah. trying to do a simple wedding immediate family yeah. nothing big yeah that's what we did it was cool so um so you're cooking I when you know. got back i guess i was cooking it's hard to remember you a surfer were you parts. surfing no i'm not a surfer um, people ask me why Fishing? it's the same like for, I'm not a fisherman either and I well it's simple I know why I'm, I do neither is it takes time and you know if you're going to be a surfer you got to be out there for hours hours and that's hours I'm not in my shop making art you know that's exactly well, the you're making me feel guilty I was going to go surf I probably should be playing my guitar yeah, you, no, <laughs> but you're right you're it's right it's true because you know, I being, having to work for a living I didn't have a lot of time to make my artwork and that was the problem you know I could only do it on weekends or haphazardly or you know no continuity I, it, it always used to bother me that I couldn't really have a great continuity in my sculpture when I was younger because I was working so much so it was very frustrating so when did you start when did you start doing the wood like well wood? that's an interest for me personally it's a huge story very interesting story um, and artists can understand this you can understand I'm sure so I was carving and, you know, doing big stuff, and it was frustrating. Well, during the winters, Rima's mother would bring us down to Coral Gables in Miami mm -hmm. with the kids. We're little, and she had a home in Coral Gables, so she'd bring us down for several weeks. Get out of the cold. Yeah, it was spectacular. A wonderful woman. And um, down there, I met a good friend of hers, Mark Berlet, who was a steel sculptor and a Frenchman. 
and um, Mark and Sylvia's wife, who's in Argentine. And they lived in Miami, and he was a sculptor, and she worked for the airlines, and they're the most wonderful people still to this day. Mark passed on five years ago, and he was my mentor huh. uh, in my adult life as an artist. So I'm down there on vacation, and I get introduced to Mark, and I'm like, you know, he's a sculptor, and I'm a sculptor, and he, he says, Billy, come over, Billy, come over. And so I would spend half my time on vacation over at Mark's house. In his shop? Yeah, and he introduced me to steel. He said, oh, Billy, that's, that wood, that's no good. That's not, uh, it's not you, modern. You, need to, you need to do modern steel. And I said, cool. So he taught me how to cut with a torch, how to weld, you know, and being around him artistically and aesthetically was, was wonderful. I mean, he's from the old school of, of, uh, from Paris and, you know. So, like, there's a difference to me immediately when I think about wood you know, wood sculpture and something, you, it's very tangible. You have your piece of wood and you have some tools. Now you jump over into steel. The media, it's a complete medium shift. You're doing... Well, not only is it a medium shift, it's um, creatively, it's the opposite. For, for wood, I'm taking away material. For steel, I'm building material. So it's a huge shift for me as an artist. Um, to, to visualize, I always, had, I always had trouble visualizing the taking away, you know? And plus, if you're working as a carver instead of building with wood, you know, you make a wrong cut, you can't put it back. You're, you're carving and you're taking away, and it was very, t it was very uh, time consuming, and I worry, and you know, it was very, it took forever. And then when I got into steel, oh my God, the whole world just opened up. I could make something in 10 minutes, if, you know? Uh, if I didn't like something, I could knock it off and try it again. I guess there's a little more immediacy, right? Yeah, incredible immediacy. Plus, it was building. I had a better visual sense. I remember as a kid building models all the time. Well, see, now that's yeah. so. As a kid, you used yeah, to like used doing to those little, stuff. those yeah, little yeah, glue all the time. Yeah, those models. Yeah, with that nasty glue. With that, that with <laughs> the little orange glue, right? The epoxy. What was that glue? It was like a. It was nasty. It was nasty. <laughs> it was really I was never good at doing those models, but I know exactly. Yeah. I remember getting like the model airplanes and yeah. trying to put it together. And yeah, 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 yeah. So you were, you, you I were. I was into that. Yeah. You could, yeah. Then we go get, we'd make model ships and then put cherry bombs in them and blow them up. And blow them up. Pond. Yeah. So it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> or put, put gasoline on them. And oh, we do that. Fire. Yeah, gasoline, yeah. light them on fire. I used to love and that. And then the fire would light the cherry bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was I used it. to take Fisher, we had a Fisher Price <laughs> thing, and we'd, we'd uh, put gasoline in and we'd light them on fire and send them down the street. Yeah. <laughs> and then the uh, neighbor called the fire department. And then my parents sat me down. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I do like to start doing those like little uh, creative projects, you know, that, that can lead to somewhere else. But anyway, back to the... the so immediately, that steel was, was my... Th I haven't picked up a chisel since, and that was 25 years ago, probably. But I think for people listening, the, the technical aspect of welding, there's a mixture that has to be with the, with the gas. Give us the, the layman's... Well, actually, uh, I'm low-tech... Are um, you? Well, some it I, writes. Uh, I have I cut the steel with oxyacetylene torch, a torch with oxygen and acetylene gas, which is typical. That um, has to be blended, though, right? Yeah, it's simple. You just it is all right. It's simple. Yeah, it's just. I don't know much balance. about. Yeah, it, it is simple. Clearly, it's it, a, you just set the different pressures. Each one has different pressure, and then when you open the valves, then you mix them by by the by the color of the flame. You light it up. You light up the acetylene. Then you add oxygen, and by the shape and color of the flame is, is what you want. It's called a, there's a reducing flame. There's a lot of acetylene, 
oxidizing flame is a lot of oxygen, but the perfect flame, the neutral flame, is what you want to okay. cut the steel. To cut it. Now, yeah. if you're going to actually put something together, now, to it weld, has to I just be... use a, um, a stick welder, you know, regular old uh, negative, positive, with a welding rod, which is an, an electrode. And that's really low-tech. It's not high-tech. Right, but it's just the skill involved. It would be like if you were a union steel worker. These are all like the tools of the trade, right? Yeah, like, exactly. So exactly. If, if this doesn't work out, you could go up and uh, do Well, I couldn't, but other welders can. Local right? 105. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do anything structural. I'm not that confident. I've been doing it forever, but, you know. So uh, tell me about the first piece you sold, because that's, that's a big step. In, in any artist's uh, path, do you remember the first piece you sold? I think so, yeah. Well, I w we started the X Gallery in 1989. Do you know about the X Gallery? I don't. I'd like no. to know. Tell me about the X Gallery. Um, there were 13 of us who were contem young contemporary artists, and there was no place to show that kind of work here. And this was in the late 80s. And we all got together and opened a gallery, a cooperative, called the X Gallery, in X in parentheses. And it, became, it was called X Gallery because... Where was it located? Well, our first year, we had a prime location on uh, Main Street because uh, the people that owned Main Street then, who was it? It was Beinecke, I think, Walter Beinecke, but um, the, the space was empty, and they couldn't find a tenant, and it was right there next to Met on Main, that okay. restaurant. Was that where the camera shop was, too? The that Gene? was on the other side, upstairs. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gene Mann was yeah. telling me about his camera yeah, shop. Yeah, oh, that was a great place. The camera shop was a historic place. It must have been a, see, this is what I love, oh, like yeah, a scene. It was great. Gene Mann ha was very influential in keeping creativity alive on this island. Did yes. you know about the roadhouse? Did he tell you about the roadhouse? Yes, he told me all about oh, the roadhouse. Oh, my God. He used I to live at the roadhouse. It was the <laughs> best. He told me about the jazz pianist that he had on one oh, side. And Jesus, it was the greatest. It's great. Absolute. Frank Conroy would play jazz at the Rosen Crown, and we'd all go there after work, and he'd just be sitting there playing piano. It was good yeah. stuff. Well, see, like, just your inflection when I when I said talk about Gene Mann's oh, shop, yeah. you could yeah. tell you're, you just yeah. lit up, and, like, like, that was the day that there was, that, that period, there was a yep. lot of, creative people there was there stuff. was a lot of creative people a lot of creative work going on uh well a lot of gene man and you know we he brought jazz i saw clifford jordan the great tenor player at the rosen crown wow you know i mean i mean this was a great time for jazz and i love jazz which is cool and i wish that that's you know i guess one of the things that i've experienced and i wonder if that element that creative energy will it always exist maybe it will and that i'm sort of exploring that as i'm living yeah. out here but i get I guess sometimes I get fearful, but if there's too much of a shift, if, if it becomes too much uh, tips one way, too overcrowded, yeah. the, the housing situation, there's a lot of issues facing Nantucket yeah. right now. Yeah, I know. And I'm, my fear, and I talked about this in the last podcast, was that if, you know, it's hard for, enough, I, I, I got housing out here because I basically, you know, my fiance has a house, but it would turn other artists away and people that right, that right. thing we're talking about that what you said like when it was a really other creative people coming out here would slowly start to diminish if if it just becomes you know to to the point where just can't inhabit people like us anymore because yeah, it's too how hard could that happen i don't see i, I don't, don't know. see I, that happening ever anywhere i mean people are people find a right? way you know yeah people are it's just Different scenarios and logistics you got to overcome, I think. It's um, true. You know. 
There's but, a lot of young people being creative out here. I mean, there's a great show that Reggie Levine always curates that the Arts Council sponsors for anyone and everyone um, at Sherbert Hall. And so many young artists are up there showing their work. It's magnificent. That's it's, cool. It is. So that's a good thing. And it does. Yeah. There's a uh, there is a lot of other people doing cool yeah. stuff out here. Yeah. But it's I just, just more. It's just busier. It's some. It's just more. I think you're right. Maybe you are I think right, Billy. Things it's get just crowd get. You, you don't see a lot because there's so much going on. There's so many people. There is so much going on, and there is cool stuff that happens. The film yeah. festival's cool. There's a comp- yeah. That's one thing that's yeah. been cool. There's a lot of neat, you know, cool festivals that go on out here that definitely. I lived in their house when they were in high school, Jonathan, and Jill Burkhart, who started the film festival. Oh, really? I'll never forget that. My, I, I was first time I lived with my girlfriend, and Martha Blomberg. <laughs> And we lived in the base in the uh, first floor of Berkey and Barbara Burkhardt's house, and and Jill and Jonathan were in high school. I remember that. <laughs> were you good? T- were you a good tenant? Yeah, well, we were friends because they're a great family. Oh, okay. They, they didn't, they, we got to be pals, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he taught at the high school. He was a great teacher. So back to the X Gallery. So you had oh, so the X, we started and we moved after the. Uh, they gave us a space for a portion of the profits. Because we didn't have any money. Little did they know there weren't there weren't any profits. I mean, you know, we we it was wild stuff. I mean, Melissa McLeod, John Jay's wife, was one of the seminal people with exciting new, wild creative work that this island has never seen. And That's lots cool. Robert McKee, Kasha Baker, Catherine Moore, amazing stuff. Howard Fraker. Um, well, these names, I don't, I'm yeah. not familiar with any of these names. So we had this gal, we moved up to 12 Orange Street, right around the corner across from the Unitarian Church. Mm-hmm. This very wonderful, eccentric woman owned the building. And she loved leasing it to a bunch of crazy artists. <laughs> and we had it for 12 years. And we had the best openings. Oh, they always are, yeah, right? Yeah, they were great. So um, it was a great contemporary voice. And then we all, it, it, it ran its, its, its time, you know. It was, mm-hmm. uh, 12 years was a long time. It's hard to run yeah. a gallery. Yeah. So we all, you know, we showed work all the time. It was real exciting. And that's was, that's what developed my career. Was so was that, the that fir- group. was that the first time you sold a piece? Yeah, I, f- I sold it on Main Street the first year. It was a steel, uh, I don't know, it looked like an abstracted bird. I don't know how to explain it. Sold it to some doctor in Greenwich, I think. On the coast, yeah. So I delivered it. That's how I remember it. You remember the house? It's got a few. I remember he had a pool table, like a green, like a red pool table, which was against my sensibilities. I mean, pool tables should, should be, be green. green, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I grew up with I hear one. you. Yeah. So that was the first piece I Leather sold. Leather pockets? Yep. Drop pockets, yeah. Those are nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's how you can tell if someone's got class. You go to their house and they have like they have this awesome house and then their pool table is red felt with like plastic pockets. But a, yeah. That's not good. That's not good. So that was, you know, that was the first piece. So that was pretty cool. And that was how many years ago, do you think? 1989. Wow. So. Has there ever been a point where you could just support yourself with no. sculpting? No, not yet. So. Yeah. I'm me still ne- saying not yet. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say this is musically, I've made I've been a, I've made more money out here musically professionally than I've ever made in really? New York anywhere else hands down really yeah just doing gigs just doing gigs cocktail parties and playing at the brewery and uh i've made more money out here playing music than i ever did 
Very cool. Yeah, which is which is I'm very it's fortunate. That's one thing about Nantucket is that it does support it. Is it as much as it should be? Probably not. Right, right. You know, yeah. everyone else's wage, other industries have increased. Yep. Musicians, yeah, yeah, yeah. Musicians gone down. The same. Well, it's both my down. boys are musicians. So oh, okay. They're in the middle of that. Are they playing in bands? Uh, Aiden does. He plays jazz guitar. And he's played around town a bunch. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. Liam's a drummer. That sounds like a band. Why don't they start a, a jazz well, duo? Well, Liam's a rocker and Aiden's a jazz guy. That doesn't work. Oh. <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to think of someone, they, a, a band that they could listen to that's fusing jazz and, and rock like that. I don't that. know. Pat Metheny, maybe? I don't yeah, know. there's got to be some. I'm, it's, I'm drawing a blank, but I know there's someone out there that's bridging yeah. the, the jazz fusion. You know, There's a market for it. Maybe not Nantucket. I don't right. know if they could break yeah. the bank on it, but go for it. Do they ever play together? No, I don't think they do. No. I used to, whenever I'd come home from college, my brother's a drummer. My favorite part was we'd go down the basement and we just Yeah, jam. oh, they used to play together all the time when they were living at the house together, growing, yeah. Right. They'd not lately, you know, they're different We've got to get them back together. When they listen to this, maybe this will be the catalyst. <laughs> <laughs> we heard Dad on the podcast. Yeah, we got, yeah. we got to start a band. Start a band. You I'll can be, sing. I'll be their manager. I don't think so. Uh-huh. I bet you can yeah. sing. You can act. Well, I saw you in The Grey Lady. We should talk about that, yeah. your experience in acting. <laughs> Did you like it? I loved it. It was cool. You're a natural. It was very cool. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you, you. you really are. Um, I uh, was fortunate. I enough. had a lot of help, let me tell you. John, uh, I knew John was making his movie, The Great Lady. He's been Nine working years. on it for years. Yeah. Unbelievable. I saw him in the grocery store in January a year ago, a year and a half ago. And he said, Billy, we got the movie going. We're going to be filming in May or April. And I said, yeah, man, I heard because I'm good friends with Melissa, his wife. And so I knew and good friends with John for forever, right. for, you know. Um, he says, you know, I have a, there's a character in the film based on you. I said, I know, yeah. He goes, Billy's a sculptor and a chef. And he said, and there's a lot of other characters were based on his friends. In actually, the X Gallery days, the X Galleries in the movie. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That's that real. That's part of, you know. So, um, that's interesting. About six aisles later, he comes <laughs> up to me and goes, uh, you know, I haven't found anyone to play your role. I have other actors for my other f- people. So can you audition for me? I said, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> be cool. So about three, he gave me a script. About three weeks later, he came over to my shop, and I'm working it's in, in the winter. It's January. Right. I'm in my shop where I'm making sculptures, and so he comes over, and for about an hour at least, um, he ran me through some stuff. He said, well, try this, and I was reading parts, and he, he says, okay, now we'll just... Just react to what I'm going to give you, you know. And so he started doing this for like 20 minutes. And it was the most intense thing I had experienced in a long time. It, yeah. That audition. And when he was finished, I was I was just stunned. I said, John, that was intense. What the hell just, what were you doing up there to me? He goes, you know, you were good. And I said, well, I'll tell you, I loved it. I have the heck with sculpture. I want to do this. This is intense. Yeah. Because it was very intense. The emotions and the... the well, it is. And you want to... You know, yeah. jumping into a character. No, it's different acting's, from sculpture. Acting, but yeah. you know, here's the here's the one thing that I think that you can disagree. Or is I don't you, know. I'm, I don't know much about you it. Need you need to f- be free. You have to. If you're thinking when you're right. acting, Eric Dean told me. If you're thinking, you're wrong. That's right. You need to be. It's about this right here. You and I are talking. That's if, you're, if you're thinking, that is you're wrong. very cool. And I'm noticing music and yep. and um, you know performing. Yeah. If I'm thinking, 
I'm yep. out. I'm out, out of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just about being in completely. that moment yeah. and just like probably when you're in the shop and if you're in the exactly. groove and you're yep. not thinking about and you're just doing it. Yep. That's true. And, you know, it's being believable. Yeah. And being real. Yeah. And, you know, that the, makes perfect sense. The worst part about acting is watching someone act. You don't want to, you, you want to see it. You don't want to see someone act. Well, in the <laughs> film, my last scene, uh, I did in the afternoon and everything was okay. It was with Eric. And uh, they said, you're done. Thanks, you know, good job. Every, you know, Andre's a good friend of mine, the cinematographer and John. So they call me about 10 minutes later, or 20 minutes later, and they said, uh, come back. We want to shoot this scene again because the light's fading. We want to make sure we got it. So I came back and I just sort of jumped into it again. First take, I forgot all my lines. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's nerve wracking yeah. when you get there and, and the camera's says, That's on. That's cool. That's cool. And I knew my lines. It's just, you know. So then I did the scene again, and they all, they all applauded after almost. I swear, Eric looked at me and goes, dude, you just killed that scene. Well, and I said, what do you mean? He goes, you were unbelievable. You, you were amazing. How, how you? <laughs> I said, well, what was the difference between that moment and the moments in the afternoon before? Why was this performance? Right. And it's exactly what you just said. You're, you were not thinking. Eric goes, I said, Eric, what was the difference? He goes, you were not acting. He says you were just there. There, you were there, totally. And it's exactly what you just. Yeah, said. and those moments. Too. So I did experience it. Yeah, it was and, cool. and, and that little tinge would seem. I can tell you're excited. It was. It, yeah, it was a real, real that. thing for me because everyone noticeably said, you know, John said it, Andre said it, Eric said it. That wow, that was good. And I'm like, well, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't do. You were you just were there. <laughs> yeah. You know? So and that's they, it. It's exactly. And what all you that said. training too, like miser, all those. Uh, acting exercises that you try and do is about getting you to is that is, is that yeah how it works, yeah. yeah like you giving your energy up to the other person and let you know and letting the moment happen but you know i think that you did a great job i, I saw the film i can't wait for Thanks. it to come out Thank and, you. and i think no. you're gonna have success if you want to keep doing that but i don't know it's where where yeah, are I you and where i don't are, know i you know it's a it's a whole nother world i mean i've i love doing what i'm doing so yeah, let's, that's, we can we can we yeah. can bring us up to date where you that's are cool. right now with your chefing full time. Well, no, that's in the summer, and in the winter I get back into my shop, and just start putting things together. I love it. It's a it's a it's a dance. It's a meditation. It's up and down energy, as as you can understand. Um, it's really exciting when it works, you know, and yeah. I know it works. That's the thing. I know that all I have to do is show up and work and something will happen. I just know that it, from where I am in, in my sculpture career or as a poet, the same thing. I know if I sit there and write and write and work, and all of a sudden things happen. That's where the mystery comes in. If I go to my shop and work and get frustrated and depressed and like nothing's ever going to work and it happens all the time and I pace around and I go for a drive, I come back and the next day I'm there doing the same thing. Uh, all of a sudden, boom, something usually happens. Something usually happens. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, right, this is worth all the agony. And, and you got to have that agony. You can't, it's not simple. It's not casual for me. No, I don't. I, yeah, it's you take it's, it pretty serious. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think about it a lot when I'm doing it, but sometimes if I'm doing it all day and the next day and nothing's happening, then 
you know, you, you start. It's interesting with sculpture and stuff. It's you, just like songwriting. There's an immediacy. Again, that word just came up again. But you, you, it's just you, and you're in control. But with like acting, you can't. You walk around your house. You don't act by yourself. You, right. It's, it's rely. Yeah, it's it's so. It's it? so yeah. that medium is yes. rely, is is such a collaborative thing. Yeah. You can't do it by yourself. Stand no. up. You can work. Yeah. When I, I was a comedian for six years, and I, you could do were your you, bits. Were you really? In, yeah, I love it. In I New York, I, that's how I got my start. And so I was doing <laughs> stand up, but you would do your bits, and then you'd go out and perform them that night. Whereas, like theater and acting and film, you need that yeah. collaboration of with other, other, of other people. So that like sculpting, you go in there, and it's just you're in control. Yes. Well, supposed control. It's all accidents. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's all accidents. <laughs> What's your best piece? Do you think? What are you most proud of? Um, well, different periods. I, I I don't think there is a best overall because there's different periods of of my, you know, maturing as an artist or, you know, periods of experimenting. I'm trying to think. I don't know what my best piece is. That's a tough question too. It's a tough to, question to be I honest. Guess, I guess uh, um, top. Well, my dealer, uh, art, uh, art cabinet in Nantucket, Dorton Neudert, has uh, represented me for about 15 years. And all my big work is over at her house. There's one piece over there that's really, really good that she owns, actually. Mm-hmm. And I did show it at the X Gallery years ago. That's pretty spectacular. But, and there's a couple of others over there. They're, she shows my outdoor stuff and my indoor stuff. So um, I don't have a favorite. To be honest, you, do you have a piece you're present? You have a couple things. I got one I'm working on now that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And until I finish it, how close are you to finishing? I it? just have to weld it. It's it's all ready to go. I just I got hurt this summer. I ripped the tendon in my calf, so I haven't been in my shop. You know, usually I'm in there a little bit because I cook. Right. For families, so I still have some time in the summer, but I haven't done anything because of my leg injury. So how'd you do the leg? Moving a sculpture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the irony. Yeah. It's Not a, being very smart, being impatient. Uh, where were you moving it to? I was just tweaking it, you know. It didn't look right, so I wanted to move it around, and oh. it didn't work. So it's, a lot of your stuff is big. It's <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're big pieces, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You like it's getting to be problematic, to the, be honest. <laughs> where do you get your steel from? Um, I've gotten a lot of it from the dump years ago. Uh, ele- the old electric company, I got a lot of pieces from. But lately... Um, I get a lot of cutoffs from I-beams. I'm into I-beams besides, you know, other pieces of steel. I, I like that structure of I-beams. And the guys from A1A Steel let me go through their pile and and charge me minimal amount for uh, the That's scraps cool. that they have. Yeah, they're great over there. Um, you could go down. So I've had a couple of truckloads of, of I-beam parts that I love. So I was thinking about. Uh, Bethlehem, going down to old steel belts and oh, taking, taking, oh, taking, by Gettysburg, there. yeah, to taking some of the old steel and bringing it back and yeah. doing some sort of. Uh, so I got plenty of material, right? So and how often do you go in the into your studio? Is it like what's your routine? Do you wake oh, up? I'm there every day. In the morning, you wake up, get your coffee, and go right to the studio. No. <laughs> or are you ADD? Uh, yeah, I wake up. Uh, it takes me a while to get through the shock of being awake every morning. <laughs> It's like, oh, God. You're like, I woke up again. <laughs> again. I'm oh, up. my God. So my morning is at least an hour trying to get into the morning. And I don't get up early. I don't like getting up early. I've been in restaurants my whole life, I think. So That's probably why. Then. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want so getting up at seven, isn't it? I'll go to work about 11 over my shop, but I'll stay till six, seven, you know, depending on how I feel. 
So I work best. M- most of my best work I get done between three and six. Interesting. I know. I just three and just six for some reason. I don't know why. I yeah, have no idea. I think a lot of people did traditionally late night for yeah. some reason is for a lot of people. Yeah, I've always been backwards that way. You know, with my biological. I always class. tried to treat it like a business from nine to five. I felt like if I could keep like my routine that from I used to. When I was in New York, I would keep my routine from, I would say, all right, have my coffee, do my email. Yeah, you got to have the routine. And then, I, and then I, I was, was a task master on, myse- master on myself saying, all right, from 9 to 10, you're going to work on songs. Yeah, and then yeah. from 10 to 11, you're going to work on, then I have an, a- an audition at noon. And then, like, I try and yep. build, I try to keep some uh, semblage of a, a schedule. Yep, yep. Yeah, it helps. As best as I can. Yeah, but it does I don't, help. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's different for everyone, though, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, I just, as I said, I go late, but I, st- I like to stay later. So, you know, I like being there. Even when I'm in the summer, when I'm not really working full time on sculpture, I still go over there just to be there because it helps. Have you ever shown uh, in other places other than Nantucket? Well, with, with Dorta and Art Cabinet, we had two big shows down at the Park Avenue Armory in 2005 and six or six and seven on like 70 66 66 65th wow 66th. that's pretty cool that was cool yeah that's cool it was a cool show i sold a big piece down there to someone on the in the west side 80s that was a nice sale that's the, that's the big money sale yeah it was a good sale uh, at the time it was great and uh it was good two good shows and i also had showed at a gallery in connecticut in in um with Dorta and this as part of the gallery, also they had a you know a, a relationship. Huh. Um, Adrian Konzelman, and she's working out of Greenwich and Darien, and she's a wonderful gallerist, really. In fact, when Dorta retires, which she keeps threatening to retire, um, <laughs> I'd like to to be represented by Adrian. She's wonderful, and she sold a nice piece down there. Her clients were great. Her clientele, when we had a show down there. The people that were at the show, the first guy, one guy walks up to me and goes, you know, this stuff looks like David Smith's stuff. Now, I'm who's like, David Smith? I'm like, to wow, are you, you kidding me? That's like, is are David you kidding Smith me? one of the biggest? Yeah, is, my hero, one of my heroes. And, and, and tell me about David Smith. And I said, that's a pretty nice compliment. Thank you. He said, but he knew uh, the tradition within which I was working. So are you following you the know? form of David Smith? Well, I'm not following his form, but there is a tradition of, in the early 1900s, he was one of the first guys to do welded sculpture. Picasso was also one. Um, Julio Gonzalez was a Spaniard. He was one. And these guys were the, in the early 1900s started this form. Nobody did welded Welding steel sculpture steel. because they didn't have it. You know, they didn't have the technology. Well, I've never seen what is yeah, Picasso stuff like. He had some cool sculptures. Um, Tall, slender, stick-like figures and stuff. They were very cool. Were they still using the same type of tools to weld? I mean, back in the day? They were using oxyacetylene to also weld. You can do that. That's how the original welding was. You melt two pieces together with the oxyacetylene, and it fuses. Arc welding does the same thing, but with electricity. You know, it huh. fuses the that's two like, is that Is that spot welding? Or the, uh, that's part the, of arc welding. That's, spot okay. welding is just arc welding, but you know, just not doing a whole line. See, just these are the terms yeah. that I don't, you got to yeah. know to be in the trade, you yeah. know? If so David gonna... Smith was one of the originals, and I always loved his work, and then I've always loved Anthony Caro's work, a great British sculptor who just passed on. I'm going to look up David Smith's work right now and, while um, Billy's talking so I can see. This is the beauty uh, of that. Uh, Mark DeSouvereau is another one of my influences. He's got a big piece here, actually. 
on uh, Madigan Road. He looks. David Smith looks like a frustrated guy. <laughs> I don't know. He was a pretty cool, dude. He, uh, the picture of him with his. Uh, um, he's got a cigar in his mouth. Let's see. I'll show Billy. I know that picture. I've seen that. <laughs> so yeah, his, work, case, his work is I, yeah, now. Um, now that I'm looking at his work, so th- those of you listening, you Google uh, David so, Smith. So I am within a certain tradition. I mean, I'm not a. Uh, my, I'm not trying to push any cultural envelope in in my work. Um, not that all of that pushing is contrived, but I think some of it is trying to do something new and different just for that reason. I I sort of subscribed. I subscribed to just my own personal uh, vision, you know, and I don't, you know, if... And And how does it work? Will you get an idea like, oh, I want two crosses? How does your brain work like when you come uh, up with an idea? I work with a lot of geometry. Steel helps. I mean, you know, if an I-beam's an I-beam, you're not going to bend it, so... (laughs) (laughs) Good point. You know, so my work is naturally... I like that geometry. But I also do... But I I don't like the wild, crazy, you know, stuff. Uh, I'm very simple. I'm actually a, a minimalist, yeah. Very clean and minimal. I usually... Before a piece is finished, I end up taking pieces off, you know, so. That's the wood, that's the wood maker. Yeah, here you go, taking stuff away. Taking stuff away. And paring it down. So a lot of my pieces have four elements, and that's it. So I like that. I, I just like thought that. of something, too, even with songs, trim the fat, you know. Yeah. You're, you're always you trying go. to trim the fat yeah. and take off, like, get to the meat yeah, of what Yeah, there you the, go. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, it's so true, though, you do. You just, yeah. you, you start with something, and, uh. You know, distill it. Yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. I, and that's what poetry is. It's distillation. That's how I see it. I have this one you thing. Know? I've been hand me that guitar. I'll show you. I'll show, I haven't done this on the podcast yet, so this will be cool. That's all right. We're gonna we're impromptu. You know the one right there. It's sitting right there. I'm making Billy. I just want to give him an example since we're talking the process. We're knocking shit over. That's right. So I have this one line that's in this song, and I can't, I can't finish it. So it just goes, I'm still in love with you, but I like drinking. (laughs) You're the best part of second choice I ever had. So that's the line. And it's like, where do I go from that? That just, I don't know where that came from, but just in my head, I'm still in love with you, but I like drinking. You're the best second choice a man ever had. That's it. So, like, I'm in the middle of that. and like I'll That's great, like, man. I like that. I'm still in love with you, but I like drinking. <laughs> You're the best second choice I've ever, ever had. had. <laughs> that's, that's sort of a compliment. <laughs> kind of. But, that, but I have that thing where it's like, all right, how do I trim back to what we were just yeah. talking about? How do I trim the fat off of that and not make it become this cliche? So I'll sit there and I'll be like, it'll t- probably take a week before I'll... F- maybe... Two yeah, weeks. of course, you know. It'll do you come. Ske- do you That's sketch nice. stuff out? Well, I, I do a lot of sketching, but I don't. Um, they're just exercises. They're not, I usually, they just, I'll write, do 10, 20, 30 sketches. And the sculpture won't look like that, you know. But a lot of elements might coincide somehow. And they're exercises, you know, let's say if I'm thinking of some idea. And so I do sketch hmm. all the time. Usually I Grab steel out of my pile with the same language, you know, the same scale, perhaps, the same density, weight, feel to it. And then I'll bring them into the shop and then, OK, 
okay, I've got 15 pieces laying around. Let me start putting them together and see, you know. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have certain disparate pieces because they just don't, they're not, they don't work, you know. Yeah. Certain kind of imagery wouldn't work together. So usually I get something with the same quote language. And then I just start trying stuff out. And uh, so it is like painting in that sense. Oh, it's a, like exactly like it. Just trying stuff out and see what happens. So it's very organic. It, and it usually starts in the bottom up, usually. So, you know, so they stand up, and they don't fall over. So, so I just, <laughs> how do you think Nantucket has influenced your work? I have no idea. I have no like idea. Like if you were doing this somewhere else, I wonder if it would be. You know, because it does. The island does seep into stuff you do. It does for me, you know, it, it's... Well, the, one of the reasons I love Nantucket is there's a great sense of space here. It's it's a horizontal sense of space. Huh. Um, I grew up in New York with big trees you know, in, the, in Westchester. And everything was vertical. You know, you, you couldn't see, you know, 100 yards away because it was, it was right. this woods and stuff in the way. And Santa Fe was the same way. Everything's wide open now. It's 360 degrees out there, and it's like Nantucket. Yeah, you know, it's it's horizontal. I love that for some reason. I don't know why. You know? Maybe that works with your brain. That sort yeah, of yeah, exactly. It's it obvious. I'm not. Makes it more. I don't need to know reasons. I just know the effects. <laughs> you know, I know things work on me, and it's like, I don't care why. I just know it. You know. Is there a place that you can't stand that you go and you're like, oh, get me out of here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is it New York? <laughs> America. America. See, you Any sit, place with a stoplight. You so know? you feel like you're escaping now. I can't last a couple... You know, if I was in the city or something, that might be different. But, you know, suburbia and stuff, I, I can last a few days, and that's about it. I just got to come back here. Yeah. You know, something there, in the, the ocean. I don't know, something. It's a natural yeah. barrier. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. It's, it's, own, it's a bubble, for sure. Yeah. We're living in a bubble. In some regard. For good or yeah. worse. Yeah, as I... As I um, and Magazine did a piece on me, and Rob asked me these questions. You know Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob's a great guy. Pacuzo, is that yep. how you pronounce yep. his last name? Rob was awesome. He asked me a question, what would you do if you had one thing to change in a tuck, what would it be? Um, and I said, move it another 25 miles out. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going further and further, <laughs> so right? So, simple, you know. But um, I don't know if there's any influence in my work uh, because of where I live. It's funny, too, because when you look at know. your work, I wouldn't think it's it's contrasting in to me in some ways to Nantucket well it's industrial because it's industrial you know, it is and, industrial you know here's this quaint little New England town yeah. and then you're making this sort of well raw that's and, and I refer that. to it I refer to where I work as my shop instead of my studio you know my art dealer calls it my studio but I'm always saying yeah I gotta go to my well shop. it's much more it's work it's much more it's work. uh at a cocktail party. Oh, well, this artist works in his shop, and, you know, it's a little more... Uh, oh, it is? I don't know. I just realized it's, what I do in there is just work, and it's dirty. It's not very clean work. No. Welding dust is dirty. And what about the chemicals? Do you wear... I wear masks, yeah, and, ma and goggles. But back in and the day, protection. they never did, right? No, they never did, no. You, yeah, that's not good stuff. For there me. is a residue that you'll know the name of, I'm sure, that when, when, you, when you do a well, when you make a... Yeah. A... What do they call that when you make a cut and a pass? A pass, yeah. That. Oh yeah. Well, you're burning steel, so whatever that steel is made from, you're burning. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff in steel. There's a there's the hazards, you know, but there's hazards too in everything, I guess. You know. You know yeah, so you I, just, I don't like to stand over the welding fumes. That's not a good idea. No. So. Definitely not. So, what's the transformation too about cooking? Because cooking too, obviously, is an art form and. 
you're you clearly passionate about cooking. Yeah, I, lo- I love to cook. I cook, I cook when I come home from cooking. You know. You never get tired of it. No, I like it. What's your yeah. What's your best dish? I love Italian food. You do. Yeah, but in the summer, you, you know, I like that clean, simple food. The big tomato salads and you know fresh Basil. fish. I love you know everything. Yeah. So, but I like Italian food a lot. And I like roast chicken. Yeah. I once thought of doing, we, we started doing a cooking show a long time ago with my friend Rob Anderson. We had a couple, of, we had a couple of pilots. I've got it at home. And um, I was going to call the uh, series How to Cook a Chicken. <laughs> and I, the, the concept was I come home from work. I've got to cook dinner for, for my family in an hour. This is how you do it. And it was simple food, simple ingredients. And, you know, cooking Italian food even, you could do it really fast, little tricks, stuff like this. And the, the theme was how to cook a chicken. The opening scene is, this is how you cook a chicken. <laughs> you take an oven, you open the oven, and you put the chicken in the oven and turn the oven on. That's how you cook a chicken. <laughs> That's a quick show. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, food, cooking is simple. Right. It's not rocket science And here, you guys, you how know? many, you did uh, a pilot, two pilots? Well, we did it on our own. It was pretty good, but we never, we, it never went any further. Unfortunately, it would have been fun. Well, now, now that you're a big actor now, and you yeah, know I'm all real the, big. you're rubbing elbows with all the big dogs, <laughs> maybe we'll give you a second shot, right? That's cool. I, I like doing it. It was acting. Yeah, you know, totally. It's just like you, you and me sitting here. It's just it's it becomes you know? something. That's what's cool. I think you know what I, you and I are similar. We, yeah. I like to make things. Yeah, I yeah. just like making things. I don't care if it's yeah. music, it's film. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Food. Yeah, creating, creating stuff. Yeah, you know. And if I'm unhappy, I'm really unhappy if I'm not creating. Exactly, exactly. That's you you kill and your soul gets destroyed, you know. Yeah. And I've experienced that, you know, having to work a lot. As I said, for years, I, I, there was no um, continuity with my work. And, and I knew why, because I would have great despair about having to work for a living. I mean, Rima had to deal with it. Would you um, get depressed? Yeah, yeah, because I'm spending all my time not feeding my soul and... I didn't want to be a baby about it, you know. I didn't want to whine and complain like I'm an artist. I need to do this because I, I don't believe in that. You know, I don't believe in that at all. You got to find a way to figure it out. Basically, you got to grow up and figure well, it having out. Having the right person with you that's supportive. Yeah, is. she was too, and has always is, and still is. Um, and she knew she's a creative person. She understood exactly what was going on. So, and it's it hard too tough. when you don't make a ton of money and you want right. to do. Yeah, and there's a lot of people yeah. that. Uh, Plus, yeah. Like sculptures, like the poet of the art world. Anyway, you're not gonna. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna get a lot of money unless you get a lot of money. Right. You know? I just thought of my uh, sculpting professor's name, Alan Paulson. He was my sculptor. Scul- I took sculpting 101 at Gettysburg. Gettysburg. Yeah. We but we did a lot of cast making. We did these things. Yep. You fire. Yeah. You make these casts yeah. and you pour the. Yep. The plaster the, yeah. and then the the wax and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was horrible at it. Really? Yeah, that's I was cool not good. stuff. I was not good though. I, I, I was. I'm better on stage. That's, yeah. that's sort of where I feel yep. at home. <laughs> I guess. But uh, anyway, Billy Sherry, thank you for taking the time to sit down. Cool, man. Thank I, you. I think. Good I think, stuff. I think we're done here. I think we got a good feeling for the man, the myth, the legend. Everyone told me that <laughs> Billy Sherry, you got to get him on the podcast. He's uh, a legend. I don't know. You better check your references first. <laughs> that was great, Billy. Thank you. Thanks a lot, man. There it is, Billy Sherry, the sculptor, 
You know, it's funny. I listened back to uh, the conversation, and uh, something that strikes me about uh, that, and I didn't, I guess I didn't realize as we're having a conversation, listening to it again, uh, I came up on that, uh, just the work of it, going in there and doing that work, and how each person has a different process, and Billy Sherry is certainly a guy that uh, has done the work and understands that, but like any craft, and willing to put in that time and be frustrated with it. And I got thinking about that after our conversation about how everyone else, you know, anytime you create something, you put this sort of energy into something and it doesn't always work out, you know? And he, he said that a lot, sometimes his work is full of mistakes and, you know, I don't know. It was cool, really cool to sit down and talk about the process. I love that. I, I love it. I enjoy the process of songwriting. I enjoy uh, anybody that's a, a skilled craftsman. It's it's a pleasure to sit down and talk to to watch to talk with someone that's on their game because you can always learn. And uh, it was cool to talk about the acting thing. Uh, I thought I did get a chance to see a screening of John Shay's movie, which was fantastic, and B- Billy was great in it. I told him what a natural he was, and. Uh, so it was cool to talk about that. That was just a great conversation. Uh, I'm really glad that Billy uh, sat down to talk with me and talk about the process. I feel like I have a better understanding. And uh, sculpting isn't easy, man. Working with an I-beam. Taking an I-beam and creating something from this big piece of metal. I don't know. I appreciate the, the craft of it. You know, uh, I think it's a really... Uh, a really hard skill you know when I think about songwriting or acting or other other types of artistic endeavors that the sculpting is something that uh you know it's just so out of my wheelhouse so it was really interesting to hear his process and hear him talk about that so Billy thank you so much for sitting down uh, on Inside the Whale that's it folks that was uh, episode 16 with Billy Sherry, I uh, can't thank you all again for uh, clicking on uh, Inside the Whale and believing in it and giving it a chance. I'm hoping that you guys are enjoying it. Uh, I have an email address. If you want to send me comments or questions, it's at insidethewhaleack at gmail.com. Uh, hit me up with your thoughts, comments, or concerns, or hate mail. That's fine, too. If you're not feeling me, you can tell me. I- I'm-, I'm an open book so far. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, enjoy the last couple of... Uh, Weeks of summer here, folks, on the island. We'll see you next time in episode 17. Thanks for clicking on Inside the Whale. See ya. Dad's old helmet.